sense his presence here tonight, and, and uh, boy, I just feel like Moses. I want to take my shoes off. I feel like we're standing on holy ground, and uh, we know it's not holy because it's earth, and Moses wasn't standing on holy ground because he was on earth, uh, but he wasn't not standing on holy ground because he was on earth either. When God's presence is there, that's holy ground. I appreciate you being sensitive to the moving of the Spirit of God. Uh, I cannot tell you how the Lord has just confirmed and confirmed and confirmed uh, what he wants us to speak on tonight. Luke chapter number 11. Luke chapter number 11. Luke chapter number 11. The disciples, of course, are here uh, talking to the Lord Jesus Christ, and they had just gone from uh, the time of Mary and Martha, and uh, they had just been serving him, and Martha was complaining about Mary, that she wasn't doing any work, and Jesus said, Martha, uh, you're cumbered about with many things, but he said, Mary had chosen, at the end of chapter 10, Mary had chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. And then we want to start in verse number one of chapter 11. After this passage where Martha has been working and yet Mary has been sitting at the feet of Jesus Christ, I think we find one of the most pivotal keys to revival that we will ever see. The Bible says in verse number one, and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. When Jesus said unto them, when ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. Give us this day our daily bread. and Forgive us our sins as we forgive also. Also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And the Bible goes on to give some other scriptures and illustrations here. But I want to speak to you tonight on what the disciples asked of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, teach us to pray. Can you imagine such a request giving by a group of men that had saw him do so many miracles? And for three and a half years, they have watched him as he has opened blinded eyes and touched deaf ears and healed withered hands and made men that were lame on their beds with with the palsy, the Bible says, and women with issues of blood that they just touched him and their issues of blood were healed. And they could have asked him to teach them anything. But they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. They didn't say, Lord, teach us, teach us how to open blinded eyes. We remember Bartimaeus, God, and how you healed his eyes, and one you spit on the ground, and one you spoke to him. Lord, could you teach us how to heal blinded eyes? Could you teach us what it's like to touch a man who has a withered hand, and that hand be made whole? Could you teach us, Lord, we saw you go to the tomb of Lazarus, and we saw you say, Lazarus, come forth, and boy, Lazarus came out of that tomb, and he had been dead, passed beyond all hope. We saw you raise Lazarus from the dead. Could you teach us how to raise dead people? Could you teach us, Lord, how to get money out of a fish's mouth? Could you teach us, Lord, how to say to a lame man on his bed that had never walked before in the city of Capernaum as they let him down? Could you teach us how to heal him? 
Could you teach us, Lord, how to break bread and 5,000, feed 5,000 men and, and not mentioning the women or the children that have been there? Could you teach us, Lord, how to break bread and feed 5,000 people several times over? Could you teach us how to do that? And could you, could you teach us, Lord, how to, how to have somebody, how to have so much of the power of God on you that people just touch you and they get healed? Could you teach us, Lord, how to, how to that, that dumb demoniac son, and could you teach us, Lord, how to, how to do demon uh, depossessions of demon-possessed people? Could you teach us how to do that? And yet the one thing his disciples asked, Lord, could you teach us how to pray? You see, Leonard Ravenhill said, the pastor who is not praying is playing. The church who is not praying is straying. One man said, Satan does not care how many people read about prayer if he can only keep them from praying. Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, we're still reading his commentaries 600 years later. We are still reading by books by Charles Haddon Spurgeon, and we're still, and he is called, he is known as the prince of preachers, and almost every preacher in this building has at one time either quoted, read, or studied Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And yet Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, said, I would rather teach one man to pray than 10 men how to preach. Leonard Ravenhill in his book, Why Revival, Terry said, the pulpit can be a shop window to display our talent, but the prayer closet speaks death to display. He said at one point, he said, in the prayer closet, there is absolutely no showing off. And see, we can impress you with words and we can impress you with stories and we can impress you with illustrations, but when we get alone with God, there's no impressing anybody except the God of heaven with our faith that it takes to pray. One man said, Satan trembles when the weakest, when he sees the weakest Christian get on their knees. Andrew Murray went on to say, the man who mobilizes the Christian church to pray will usher in, will, will make the greatest contribution to world evangelism that history has ever known. One man said, prayer is the real work. Evangelism is just mopping up afterwards. Brother Ravenhill began on to say, we cannot expect big results from our small praying. He said a daily glimpse at the Holy One would find us subdued by his omnipotence, staggered by his omnipresence, and silenced by his omniscience, and solemnized by his holiness. What was he saying? He was saying, Lord, if we ever need anything, it is you to teach us how to pray. And the disciples said, Lord... Could you teach us? I dare to say no pastor in here has probably ever had anybody come up to you and say, preacher, can you teach me how to pray? Or if you did, it was very, very rare. They've asked me oftentimes, Brother Allen, can you teach me how to sing? Can you teach me how to play the piano? I've even had young men say, Brother Allen, can you teach me how to preach? I had a young man last week, he was a young preacher boy, and God had just called him and saved him, and, and he, his life was getting turned around, and he said, Brother Allen, can I see your outline? Can I see how you outline that? But I have never had a young man 
In my 14 years of ministry, in my 23 years preaching the gospel, I have never had a young man come and say, Brother Allen, can you teach me how to pray? Say, what's so important about this prayer thing? What's so important about talking to God? Well, Matthew chapter 9 and verse 38 says, if we wanted laborers, he said, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into the harvest. Say, Brother Allen, we need workers here. I need workers in my ministry. There is one thing that Jesus told us to do if we needed workers. He said, pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. No, Brother Allen, we need to go to Bible colleges and we need to recruit some people and we need to go out here to other churches and figure out what anybody can do. No, the Bible says it would do you well to fall upon your knees and say, God, could you send somebody into your harvest? Matthew chapter 17 and verse 21, prayer breaks demonic influences. Jesus said to the disciples, they said, you, and by the way, he gave them all power. And yet they could not handle a demon-possessed young man. And Jesus said unto them, this kind here will not go out but by prayer and by fasting. If you want to break the demonic influences in your life, he says, you better fall on your knees and you better begin to pray. Matthew chapter 21 to verse 4, Jesus said this, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And the truth of the matter here tonight, if the average home and the average church were called the house of prayer, it would be a lie. Often the least attended meeting in the church is the prayer meeting. Often the most minimalized ministry in the church is the ministry of prayer. And we don't mind fellowshipping and we don't mind getting together for our breakfast and we don't mind getting together for an activity and I'm for all of that. Don't get me, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I enjoy bowling with my church. I enjoy going to the roller derby uh, and roller skating with my church. I enjoy picnicking with my church. But Jesus did not say my house will be called a house of fellowship. He didn't say my house will be called a house of music. And I love music just as much as anybody in this room. He said if there is one thing I want my house known for, it is prayer. It's prayer. He didn't even say a house of worship. He said, I want my house to be called a house of prayer. Matthew chapter number 26 and verse number 41, he said, pray ye that ye enter not into temptation. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 55, Jesus said this. He said, I could pray and I could pray down 12 legions of angels right now if I wanted to. Friends, that's between 72 and 84,000 angels. I wonder what we could pray down if we began to pray seriously. I wonder what God could do with a church that takes prayer seriously. I wonder what he could do with a mom and dad or a home that would take prayer seriously. I wonder if he'd send some angels down like he did many times to his servants and blocked her and rebuked satanic forces out of our way. Jesus said, I could call one angel, I believe, killed 185,000 people. What in the world could 12 legion of angels do? I calculated one time they could kill three billion people. They could kill half this earth right now. Jesus said, let me tell you how to get some action done. It's through prayer. 
He said in Luke chapter 11, verse 13, if we have a desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God, he said, if ye being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your heavenly Father will give the Spirit to them that ask. And I've heard some well-meaning men that, that, and again, I'm not here to, to, to quiver over minor things, but they'll say, ask the Holy Spirit for his help. And the Bible does not ask us, or nor does it command us to talk to the Holy Spirit of God. But it does say our Father, and it commands us to talk to God as our Father. And if we want to be filled with the Holy Ghost of God, he says, you pray to the Father, and he will give the Spirit to them that ask. I want the spirit of God on my music. I want it to be Christ exalting like this sister that sang tonight and brought glory to the Father and Jesus Christ. I want it to be spirit filled and I want my preaching to be spirit filled and I want my home to be spirit filled and I want my prayers to be spirit filled. But if it's going to happen, I have got to pray that he will fill me with his spirit. It gets done in prayer. See, the power of God does not float in here like like an unidentified mist in the middle of us. The power of God falls on people that begin to pray and beg God for it. I remember Mr. Moody, D.L. Moody was walking down Wall Street one day and before that some women were telling him, they said, we are praying that the power of God falls on you. And as the story goes, and some stories say he got irritated by that, we're not sure, but some of the stories go, it said Mr. Moody got irritated by that and said, ladies, he said, I have five people saved, five, ten people saved every time I preach. He said, God's moving, I have five, ten people, and they said, Mr. Moody, they said, God has a power for you that you don't have yet. And they said, Mr. Moody, we are praying for that. And he said, well, I guess you just keep on praying. And one day he was raising money for one of his crusades, and he was walking down Wall Street in New York City. And all of a sudden, he felt the presence of God surround him, and he, and he began to pray on that street, and he said, God, could you withhold your hands for a few minutes? And Mr. Moody went back. He borrowed an upper room with a friend of his, and Mr. Moody said the power of God fell on him that day while he was praying like it never had before. And he said instead of being satisfied with five and ten, he said 50 and 100 people began walking down the aisles because he got alone because some ladies prayed, and then he prayed Acts chapter 4 and verse 31 tells us that after they had prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9, the Bible says, pray that we will be filled with the knowledge of his will. Brother Allen, I've got things figured out. I think think it makes sense to me to do this. But the Bible says if you want to be filled with the knowledge of his will for your life, you have to become a person of prayer. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17 says literally the only thing that the Bible tells us to do without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Do you understand you can preach too much? I haven't done that tonight, hopefully, and through this week. Do you understand you can sing too much? Do you understand you might be able to worship too much? You might be able to meet with the church too much, but I can tell you one thing that the Bible says you can never do too much of, and that is pray to your heavenly father because he commanded you to pray without ceasing. In Ephesians, I don't have it written down here, but in Ephesians chapter 6, when we get to the end of the scripture about the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and the shield of faith to quench the fiery darts of the wicked, and your feet shot to the preparation of the gospel of peace, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, after all of that, he says, what, what you better understand and realize that even if you have the Christian armor, it says, praying with all manner of prayer and supplications, making our requests be made known unto God. 
He said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 1, he said, pray that the word of God would have free course in people's hearts. I think sometimes we as preachers and Sunday school teachers and evangelists and missionaries and church leaders and even Christian school teachers, we wonder why the word of God has no free course in people's hearts and they're fighting and they're fighting and we just don't seem to get through. Could it be that we've not prayed for the word of God to have free course in people's hearts while we preach and while we sing and while we teach? 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8, the Bible says, I would that men would pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath or malice, praying in the Holy Ghost. You know, there's no wrong place to pray. James chapter 5 and verse 13 tells us, pray for the afflicted and for the sick. James chapter 5 and further on in verse number 16, we ought to pray for the health and the faults of other people. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 16, we are to pray for those that are living in open sin. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse number 14, it says, the first thing he tells us, the first thing after he is dealing with a nation that's under judgment And boy, I believe, and Pastor and I talked about, I believe our nations are not waiting for the judgment of God. I believe the things that we are seeing, we are under the judgment of God. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 14, God says, if you want a nation to come back to me, the first thing we ought to do, he says, they humble themselves and they pray. And he says, I'll heal their land, I'll forgive their sin. But if you'll humble yourself and you're not, if you won't humble yourself and you're not willing to pray, don't even expect revival to happen in your land. He, he, the disciples said, Lord, could you teach us how to pray? Could you teach us how to pray? The average Christian in this room here today, the average Christian prayed maybe five minutes. And I'm not here to embarrass you, and I'm not trying to beat you up here tonight. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. What I'm trying to do is shake the throne of God. And listen, the problems that we have here today in Canada and in the United States of America, can I tell you this? We're not going to solve our way out of this problem. We're not going to economize our way out of this problem. We're not going to vote our way out of this problem. I believe if there's any hope for our nations and our continent, it is when God's people, if they can get back on their knees again and see the impossible happen. Amen. The average person, I could ask them and say, okay, you're arguing about politics and that's fine and that's got its place, but when was the last time you prayed for your nation? Well, that preacher down there, let me tell you, when was the last time you fell on your face and said, God, help my preacher? That the power of God would fall on his life that when he preached instead of two and three being saved that we would see 20 and 30 people saved that, that instead of complaining that hey, we're not doing such and such and we ought to be doing such and such pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers into his church and get the job done. I've learned over the years it's easier to criticize men than it is to pray for them. But I've also learned it's hard to criticize men you pray for. When you've been praying, oh God, help them. Oh God, the pastor's got to talk. And that's, I, I, I've had a pastor for 23 years. I've had a pastor. And I can tell you this, he has not gone unprayed for by Calvin Allen and his family. 
And there were times, and I lived with my pastor for three years after I graduated high school. My mother was moving out of, out of the state there to take care of her aunt who was dying of cancer a little bit away from us. And I said, I, I got to stay here. And the Noonan family so graciously took me in. And from the time I graduated high school to the time I got married, I lived with him. And I understood more than anybody else the attacks of Satan that come on a man of God. I understand how the devil likes to attack his family because if the devil can shoot at the king like he did Jehoshaphat and the, the sheep will scatter, if God's... The Bible says you smite the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. And so I made a decision a long time ago, if there was one thing I was going to do for my pastor, it was going to fall on my knees and pray for him. And I'll tell you, the times I got my nose twisted and got indifferent with him were the times where I didn't pray for him. The times that I got upset with him, but I can tell you, when I began, God began to change my heart, I began to say, Lord, and instead of criticizing a decision that was made, here's what I would pray. God, help him to make the right decisions. God guide the preacher because you know if he's submitted to the spirit of God, God is going to guide him. The Holy Spirit can guide him into all truth, but we've got to learn to pray. He tells us to pray for those that are in authority over us. That we may live a quiet and peaceable life. Now, I believe that's speaking directly. The, first, the primary interpretation of that is for, is for elected officials, but I believe there's some room in there for the men of God that help and feed us. We ought to pray. Man, if you've ever, if preachers ever needed prayer, I'm going to tell you, they need it right now. Pastors are under the gun like you wouldn't believe to change, to ecclesiastically just come together, to stop fighting everything, to just lay our arms down and say, you know what, let's just get along to get along. The government's coming down on us. And I'm going to tell you here tonight, if we have ever need a group of people that pray for their man of God, it is tonight. If we have ever needed a group of people that prays for one another, my soul. Boy, it blessed my heart yesterday, and I don't know what they were praying about, but it blessed my heart after the service last night. They had no clue what I was going to preach on, but I saw a sweet group of people back here on their knees and on their face and crying and praying for one another. And that's what we need in God's family again. Instead of criticizing one another, say, hey, I'm praying for your brother. I'm praying that God will help you make the right decision. I'm praying that God will give you strength. I'm praying that God will give you wisdom. I'm so thankful I had one of my cousins call the other day, and he's away from the Lord. He knows he's saved, but he's away from the Lord. His mother just passed away back in, back in November. I preached her funeral in December. And he said, he said, he called me on the phone, and he said, he said they called me cuz. He said, cuz, he said, I just, I just need to pray with you. This was just a few days ago. He said, I just need to pray with you. I said, I said well, what, what, what's going on? Do you have a prayer request? He said, no. No. He said, I just want to pray with you. I just want to talk to God with you. And I'm so thankful that folks in my life, and I wish I prayed more than what I do, but I'm so glad in my life that they know when we need somebody to pray with us, when we need somebody to pray for us, we can get on a phone and call our brother in Christ, or we can get on a phone and call a family member that knows they can get a hold of the throne of God, and they won't mind because they actually love talking to their heavenly father. Could anybody call you and say, brother, will you pray for me and know that you can get a hold of God? Could your, I, 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 was, I was having a hard time getting here the other day and my flights were messed up and I fly standby and I was, I was waiting to get on my flight to Detroit and meet these fellas and it just everything was closing up. And I text my wife, my wife was the first one that I texted. I said, honey, you need to pray. 
You just need to pray. You say, what about that? Didn't you call the famous preacher? Didn't you call the pastor of your church? Didn't you call these men? I texted them a little bit later. Didn't you text, I mean, your famous Christian hero? No, I texted somebody that I know could get a hold of God. Somebody that I have watched read her Bible. Somebody that I know I've watched her pray. Somebody that we've prayed together and seen God answer so many prayers throughout our marriage. Could your husband or your wife depend on your prayers? Does your husband or your wife know that you're a person of prayer and you get and you know what it is to communicate with your heavenly father? And if they had a trouble, they know we could fall on our knees together and approach the throne of God and say, man, that's us. Let's, let's get off. Is your first reaction, let's pray. Let's pray about it. Brother Jeff's son, he was, his, he was a little fella, and uh, he's not so much now. He's a married man. And our pastor was joking around with the kids. He ran a kids program, and uh, he, he was there was a hoop in our church auditorium at the time we met in a gymnasium and it was about the distance from that corner to that corner over there from hoop to hoop. And he, he had his little football in his hand and he said, he said, how many of you, how many of you believe I can throw this football and make it in that basketball hoop over there? And all the kids, yeah, we believe preacher, do it, do it, do it. And he began to rear back to throw that football and little Philip Schultz, brother Jeff's son said, wait, preacher, wait. We got to pray. I mean, right now, if that kid would have said, pray to me, I'd have like, well, you know, God doesn't answer that sometimes. We got nervous about it. But he said, preacher, pray. I, I, I dare to say mom and dad had probably prayed with him and seen some answers to prayer. Enough so that he would speak up and say, well, we got, if it's going to get done, pre- we got to pray. He said, preacher, pray. God will help you Pray. And preacher's like, Lord, if you have ever shown yourself to be real right now, please don't let this kid be a doubt. He's probably going to be an atheist if I don't make this basket. And preacher prayed. And he's like, oh, no. And then he's like, oh, yes. Nothing but net. Say, Brother Allen, that's a pretty silly thing. I mean, God making it through a stupid hoop. Sometimes we get our kids some stupid things that they ask for, don't we? And if you being evil, you and I being evil, know how to give good gifts to our kids, how much more our Heavenly Father? Say, God's not concerned with that. God doesn't listen. I love the song that says, Jesus knows all about our struggles. Hey, little or big thing, there is not a problem that you can go to God to. And he says, well, I don't really care about that area of your life. We have a God that knows all, that's in all, that's through all. He cares about every area of your entire life. And he can still hear and he can answer prayer. When was the last time you genuinely sought him? I don't mean like our prayers when we were kids. Good Lord, good meat, good food, let's eat. Rub-a-dub-dub and thanks for the grub. I'm talking about a heartfelt prayer where you didn't just go through the motions of prayer, but you poured your soul out to the God of heaven. And you gave God and you opened up that heart of yours and you said, God, and he already knows what's going on. He already knows what you need. And sometimes, though, my kids already know what they want, but it's that 
It's that action of opening their mouth and saying, Dad, I need some help. Dad, I've got a problem I need you to solve. Dad, I'm struggling in this area. And you don't think your heavenly father is willing to come into your life and say, yeah, daddy. And the Bible says we cry unto him, Abba, father. It's the most intimate name between a father, between a child and their father. And he says, when you cry out to me, you have the ability, not only, listen, you have not not only the ability, and that's our first point here tonight. If we're going to learn how to pray, we've got to start with a relationship. Notice in verse number two, he said, when you pray, pray our father. We've got to have a relationship if we're going to be taught how to pray. He didn't say, you, you notice this? He didn't say pray God, although he is God. He didn't say pray Lord, and he's Lord of all. He didn't say pray Holy One. He didn't say pray Yahweh. He said when you pray, pray with a relationship on your mind that is intimate, that is caring, that is full of hope, that is full of expectancy, pray our Father. Now, I'm not against using some of those words, but he wanted us to know that when, he, when we pray to him, it's our Father. You ever notice this? Pastor, every time Jesus prayed, he prayed, Father, let this cup pass from me. Matter of fact, when he was dying on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And time and time again in the Gospels, it records, Father, 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 except for one time when he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. It was that one time on the cross where he took that bitter cup and he drank of the sin of mankind and he drank of the wrath of God and the Bible says that he cried out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my Lord, my Lord. It was the first time in his life, the first time in eternity that the Trinity was separated and he cried out, my God, my God, my Lord, Lord, why hast thou forsaken me? Can I say to you here tonight, the only thing separating you between your relationship with God is your sin. You understand if you are lost in this building tonight, the God of heaven has no obligation to hear you. None. Jesus said, pray our father. You cannot pray our father if you don't know him as your savior. If he has not become your father, he has no obligation to take care of you. You say, Brother Allen, does he hear the prayers of the lost? Sure he does. We've got the Featherstones here tonight, and they've got their their babies with them here tonight. You are obligated by law to take care of your children. You are not obligated by law to take care of my children. You can choose to take care of my children or not. You can choose to be a blessing to my family or not, but you're not obligated to do that. You understand that God the Father is not obligated to take care of anybody other than his children. But then it goes a step farther. He said, for us, he said, God's hand is not short that he cannot save, nor his ear heavy that he cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, Isaiah tells us. 
It is our sin that hinders the relationship with God that hinders our prayers. And if we're going to hear our prayers, if he's going to teach us how to pray tonight, we have got to have a relationship with him as a savior. And we have to have a relationship with him as a father and as a Lord in our life. You see, here's one of the scariest verses in the Bible. Husbands, dwell with your wives according to wisdom. That your prayers be not hindered. According to the Bible, if you have a relationship problem and you are not right with your husband and you are not right with your wife, your prayers are hindered. Your heavenly father looks down and he says, oh, there's something between us right now. We need a restoration of our relationship. He said, when you pray, pray our father. Then he said this, not only does there have to be a relationship, but number two, there has got to be a reverence. He said, when you pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. It seems like in this day and age, we want to bring God down to our level. And oftentimes in a, in, a, in a music program, I don't know if y'all have those here, but in the American music programs, many times, and I used to watch them years ago, and uh, I don't watch them now. I don't believe the Lord to have me do that. But uh, when I would watch them, here's what they say. I want to thank the man upstairs. I want to thank the big guy up in the sky. I want to thank the big man. Can I tell you this? God's not some old man in the sky. He's not just some guy like Santa Claus that whenever we want something, we just kind of sit on his lap and say, yeah, I want this wish list, you know, go get them for me. This is the holy sovereign king of the universe that we're talking to. And if you're going to get some prayers answered, let me tell you, you're going to have to humble yourself into his presence. You're going to have to be in awe of who he is. If we're going to get some help, we can't come to him with an arrogant spirit thinking we're something. We don't get prayers answered because we're something. We get prayers answered because he is something. We better come with a holy reverence for him. There's times when I've prayed or literally, I mean, all I could seem to get out because I just, it was just, I just, I just, and I'm not go by feelings, but I'm going to tell you, there's times where you, I just, just, God's there. I don't know how else to say it other than that. And you know he's there. And sometimes, well, all I can get out is, oh, God, oh, Father, oh, Father. You begin to praise him. You know what the Bible says about praising him? I believe we sensed it last night. I believe we sensed his presence. You know why? Because the Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his children. You want the Lord to show up? Start saying, hallowed be thy name. Oh, God, you've been so good to me. You're so worthy. You're so holy. You're so omnipotent. You're so magnificent. You're beyond words that we could ever describe. You're the Lord most high. You're the holy God. And you see if he doesn't show up in your prayers. Jesus said, you want to know how to pray? You better reference the name of God. There's not a time where I've had a season of prayer that I don't start my prayer time with God, let me tell you how good you are. Oh, God, let me tell you how holy you are. We sing, I sing a song with our, usually as a solo, Brother Jake plays for me. The song says, did I mention that I love him? How I worship and adore him. It was written by Kyla Rowland, and Kyla Rowland said, we heard the story just recently here of the song and how it was written. Kyla Rowland, she does her prayer time in a cottage behind her house. And she went out that morning and she forgot 
to turn the heat on. It's on a timer. She forgot to turn the heat on. And so she got in there and it was a little uncomfortable. And she kind of got an attitude, you know how we are, human beings. And she got an attitude. And so she said, oh, I got to go back to the house and I got to get some blankets. And she got her blankets and she went back out there and she read her Bible and she went through the motions of everything and she began to pray and she prayed just like her little ritual was. And, and she said, I went to, she said, I went to walk out of the door. And she said, when my hand reached for the handle of that door, she said, I just began to weep and cry. And she said, she turned back around and said, God, did I even mention that I love you? And how many times have we come into his presence and we didn't reverence him? We didn't take those shoes off like Moses did. We didn't fall on our face like Isaiah did and say, oh, you're high and lifted up. You're so holy, I can't even look at you. You're the one who's, when Moses talked to you, his face shined when he came off the mountain. You are a holy, righteous God. Jesus said, you're going to have to reverence his name. Then he said this. He said, hallowed be thy name. He said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. If we're going to have to see some action in prayer, we're going to have to do some research. We're going to have to do some research. Say, what's that all about? It is called seeking the will of God in prayer. You know, I find that most Christians, we don't pray to seek God's will. We pray so we can force his will. We pray so we can tell God what to do. We, we pray so we can tell him how to answer that prayer. We pray so we can tell him what we want to do and hope he places a stamp of approval on our will for our own lives. They say, you ever want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. But we think, we, we think because we say all these things, the Bible said, do not, don't use vain repetitions as a heathen do because they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. You know what I believe that is? There are times when I came to God several times and said, God, I want to do this. God, I want to do this. God, I want to do this. And God, I want to do this. And I, time and time again, it repetitive. And I think if I say it enough, he's going to agree with me. But the Bible calls those vain, empty repetitions. You know why? Because every one of us ought to fall on our face and say, God, what do you want? What do you want? There's so many times I got on my face and I said, God, it'd be nice if you did this. It'd be nice if you did this. It'd be nice if you did this. And God's like, you ever pray to see what I want? And many times I've stopped and I said, God, that's all nice. But thy will be done. God, I want your will and way. Because God knows how to get to that end mark over there. I don't. I may think, hey, if I walk a straight line here, it seems like I get the job. And the God's like, no, if you walk a straight line, you're going to walk off a cliff right there. So what you got to do is instead of going straight there, I want you to go this way. And I want you to go this way. And there's some pitfalls over there. So I want you to go back here. We ought to pray and say, God, how do you want me to get there? He said, if there's going to be some action in prayer, if you're going to teach us how to pray, We've got to research and say, God, what do you want me to do? Jesus is in the darkest time of his life other than on that cross in the Garden of Gethsemane. And what does he do? He doesn't complain. He bows his knees and prays for hours. At one point, it said he went to a mountain to pray in the third watch and he came back. That's almost 14 hours if you add up the time there that he prayed by himself. And in the agony of his life, he says, God... I don't want to take this cup. By the way, God's not offended by us not wanting to take the cup sometimes. 
God didn't rebuke Jesus and say, hey, we, 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 before the foundation of the world, we said this was going to get done. No, he did not rebuke him because he understood in our human flesh, sometimes we are frail and sometimes we begin to waver and sometimes we, we, we see the path ahead of us and we know what God wants us to do. But Jesus ultimately came to the conclusion, although his human flesh said, I don't want to, I don't want to drink that bitter cup. Nevertheless, not my will be done. Have you ever come to that point in your life where you say, God, I don't care about getting my will in way. I want your will to be done. We've got a man in our church right now. He, he's been a blessing to us time and time again. He's, he's going for his third or fourth or fifth round of chemotherapy right now. You know what his prayer is? God, you could touch me, you could heal me, and God has several times, and he still is healing him. But he said this, he said, whether he heals me or not, he's still good. Amen. Whether his will is that I live for the rest of my life, I live to be 70 years old as the Bible talks about three score and 10, or whether he takes me next week, I want his will to be done and I want people to be saved and I want him to get the glory. Amen. See, that's called some research. What do you want to get done? I'm hurrying here tonight. Next, I believe then we can make some requests. He said, give us this day our daily bread. See, God is not upset by our requests, but I believe our requests are to be proceeded by God if it's your will. If it's your will. I've prayed many a time for a person to say, God, if it's your will, heal them. Not, oh God, heal them, heal them, heal them, heal them, heal them. God, you got to heal them. You need them to be healed. No, God, if it's your will, touch them and raise them up. God's not offended by us asking for things he said, ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh and seeketh, hey, he said, you believe it. He said, I'm going to do some things in your life. But hey, it's nothing wrong with making requests to him as long as you say, what's your will first? When you do some research, and guess what he'll do? I've prayed many a times and said, Lord, put it on my heart what you want me to pray about. Because I did my research first. And so when I make my request, I know it is his will that I'm requesting. Then he said this, he said, forgive us our sins. Can I tell you, if you're going to ever learn how to pray, you better get a good dose of repentance. And what is absent from many of our churches in many different areas is this matter of repentance. It is the idea, and I mentioned it yesterday in the services, it is the idea that I am wrong. And most people, if you just get admit, to, admit, to admit that they were wrong, most of us have so much pride in our hearts, we're not even to say, we're not even willing to say, hey, we're wrong. There's a candidate running for the presidency of the United States of America right now that said, I have never needed to ask God for forgiveness. Let me tell you right now, he's no more saved than a, than a, than a cardinal is saved or a blue jay is saved. If you've never asked him for forgiveness, hey, let me tell you, if you never confessed your sin before him, you've not received forgiveness. But he said this, forgive us our sins. If you won't admit that you are wrong, you can't. He said this, he said, and we mentioned it already, his hand is not short. 
his ears not heavy, but our iniquities. David, when he was getting right with God, he said, man, you got to deliver me. You've got to deliver me from my blood guiltiness. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this transgression. He said, it is you that I have sinned against. It is your forgiveness that I seek. It is, it is repentance of my heart. You know what the Bible says? A broken and a contrite heart will he not refuse. You get repentance and you get broken before God. Let me tell you right now, your prayer life's going to pick up. And you're going to see God do things to your prayer life that you've never seen in your entire life. But the reason why you will not see answers to prayer is because you will not humble yourself with a repentant heart and say, Lord, I am wrong. Teach me that which is right. You know what the Bible says? If you have ought against your brother, you know what you ought to do? Here's what the scripture says. And I appreciate y'all listening well tonight. The scripture says, if you bring a gift to the altar and you see your brother over there who you have ought in your heart against. Hello, church. If you have ought in your heart against a brother, here's what the scripture says. Don't give your gift. Leave it at the altar. Go to your brother and you make it right. Why? Because God does not accept your gift when your heart is not right with your brother. It says, which of you, you say you love God. How are you going to love God when you hate your brother who you see daily? God's not hearing your prayers. Your prayers are hindered. If you will not make things right with a brother in repentance. He said, but they were wrong and they might have been wrong. You may share some of the blame, but I'm going to tell you right now, if your heart is not right, if you have animosity, if you have ought in your heart against your brother, it doesn't say if your brother has ought against you. It says if you have ought against him, justified or unjustified, God said you go, you repent, you make it right, you confess your bitterness, you confess your anger, and I will hear your prayers. But if you will not say, God, forgive us. You know what the parallel passage to this says? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. If you're going to learn how to pray, let me tell you right now, you come into your prayers and you've got bitterness in your heart. The Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And many of us, we've got that little guarded bitterness and we've got that little guarded anger. We've got that animosity towards something that happened in our life. And God says, you're regarding that in your heart. You're making a special place and building it a shrine in your heart and say, God, you can touch every area except for that one. He does not hear your prayers. We've already mentioned husband and wives. He said, listen, you want your prayers to be hindered? Don't get along with your wife. There are times, brother, when I'm telling you, I have, been, I have been almost going to the pulpit in a revival and things weren't right at home. And I text my wife and say, honey, I was wrong. My attitude was wrong. I want you to forgive me. And I love you. And I'm going to tell you, I had such a liberty to preach after that, brother. There was times where there was some friction between me and one preacher and it wasn't anything. It was actually, it was a very simple thing that he misunderstood something that I did and he felt like I was coming after him because I was physically close to him and I was actually trying to get close just so he could hear me better. And he had felt like I had gotten in his face. He was an older man of God. And I said, I said, brother, I was getting ready to preach at a, at a, at a camp my friend was running a martial arts camp and I was helping him there with the jiu-jitsu and I, I said, brother, I said, I said, man, I said, I heard there was something odd between us. 
I said, man, I didn't, mean to, I didn't mean it that way. I said, I was just getting closer. You can hear me. And he said, yeah. He said, I used to be a brawler back in the day. And he said, I just felt like, you know, it was like, whoa, are you coming at me here? He's getting ready to pop me. And I said, he said, I said, man, I said, I'm so sorry. I said, I respect you. I said, I love your ministry. I love your family. I love what you've done for the Lord. And I don't want there to be anything between us. And we made things right there. And we hugged and had prayer together. And I'm going to tell you, I preached with such a liberty that day, man, I could have ran around that building four times while I was preaching. You know why that is? Because I made it right. Because I did what the Lord said. God, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who trespass against us. If we owe debt, God, help us to take care of it. And God, if they owe a debt to us, Lord, help us to take care of it. And I'm saying here tonight, if we're ever going to be people of prayer, we have to learn to repent and make things right that our prayers be not hindered. Then he said this. He said, lead us not into temptation, but he said, deliver us from evil. You understand this? There there are people in this room right now, the devil is hanging your past over your head. The devil is hanging what you've done over your head. The devil is reminding you, I love the verse of, of the song that says, when Satan reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. You know, I'm not worried about, I'm not worried about bringing up in my memory what God has already forgotten. You know, the Bible says about our sins, he cast them behind his back. You say, what if he turns around? Number one, he can't. Number two, if he could turn around, guess where they'd still be? Behind his back. He said he removed him as far as the east is from the west. He said he cast them into the depths of the sea. Mankind can and will never go down into the deepest sea. And it's physically impossible. They won't make a way to do it, I'm going to tell you right now. But God says that's where your sins are. But if you want to receive restoration, if you want to be delivered from evil, he says get on your knees and pray it through. Many of us, we have hindrances and we, the devil brings up things and we, and he, listen, you know, what I've, you know what I've noticed when I talk to God about that stuff? God never says, oh yeah, man, you're right. You did do that. You know what God always says? What sins are you talking about? Well, amen. Because whoso confesseth and forsaketh his sin shall find mercy. You know what he told us? He said, come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. He is the one that can restore us. But some of you have been running around and and you may, and listen, there's nothing wrong with counseling with the preacher. There's nothing wrong with talking to somebody else. But can I tell you, there is nobody that can restore you and there's nothing that can restore you as much as getting on your knees before an almighty God saying, oh God. Oh, God, could you repair? He said he can repair the broken flax seed and he can, re, he can reignite the fires that have gone out in your life, but you've got to know what it is to get alone with him in prayer and pour that heart out to him and say, oh, God, you can, the devil keeps messing with me. My flesh keeps, you know what he said? Here's what Paul said as he was praying. He said there was a messenger of Satan that was sent to buffet me. I heard a preacher last week give this illustration. If Satan is over there and he sends a messenger to buffet me, that means he's not here. You know why he's not here? Because somebody else is here with me. Because when that messenger of Satan comes to buffet me, here's what the scripture says. Then Jesus said, wait a minute. It says, Jesus said, It didn't say Jesus sent the messenger. 
It said the devil sent the messenger, but Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for thee. That sounds like a little prayer going on right there. Because he's talking to God and God's talking to him and he's saying, hey, remove this from me, remove it from me. And God's like, no, let me tell you, I'm not going to remove it from you. I'm going to use it to exalt you. I'm going to use it. It's going to be made perfect in your weakness and your weakness is made, I'm going to be showed strong and hey, I can do some things through your life if you'll just let me do the restoration. But many times the counseling, I've been to places where the preacher couldn't counsel me out of my into restoration. We've had people like that we've counseled and you try to get them and you try to say, hey, it's under the blood and you try to get them and hey, it's a spiritual warfare thing and you try, to, you try to reconcile them back to God. But let me tell you, there's no preacher that can do for you what an old-fashioned prayer meeting can do for you and talking to God. Then he said this. We're through here tonight. In a parallel passage in Matthew chapter six, he said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. What he was saying is this, there's got to be some recognition over who's in charge. There's got to be some recognition who's really in charge. And I tell you this, if we really believe he can do what he said he can do, it won't take much. If, if I believed that every time I asked Brother Pastor Fury for $5, he would give it to me, how often do you think I would ask him? Probably every time I see him, can text him, Facebook him, Twitter him, Instagram him. If you really believe that God answers prayer and have the heart of his disciples, God, could you teach us? It won't take much to get us to fall on our knees again. You know, we've got a lot of complainers, but not a lot of agonizers in the church over the souls of men. We've got a lot of posturing, but not enough power in churches. We've got enough titles, but not enough touch. We've got enough positions in the church, but not a lot of possessing the spirit of God. His disciples said, Lord... If there's one thing, if there's one thing we need, it is prayer. It is prayer. What's your prayer life like? When was the last time you talked to him and you knew he heard you and you heard him? Love the song that says, I just heard from heaven and it's all right now. I love the song that says, if we know of a brother who's struggling with sin, don't gossip. It says, help him out on praying ground. The last time you poured your heart out to him, Brother Allen, I feel so full right now, and I feel like I'm ready to burst, and things are going to explode in my life. Oh, I've got a place for you. It's called an old-fashioned altar. And some of you in prayer tonight, it's about time you just, you see, Isaac laid down. Abraham prayed. That's how he laid his Isaac down. God came and talked to him. And some of you need to lay down some things in prayer that God's been trying to take from you. And some of you got to pick some things up in prayer. But it takes what? It takes a relationship. If you don't know you're saved, can I tell you, it'd be the greatest thing in your life tonight to start a relationship with him tonight. 
we'd rejoice with you and we'd say, man, let me tell you, you're going to get some prayers answered like you've never dreamed of in your entire life. And I can't even begin to tell you about the answers to prayer that we've seen in our lives. Even getting here, I said, Lord, I have my wife pray. And, I, and I, the Lord said, why don't you ask them if they can take you to Toronto instead of Detroit? And the lady said, sure we can. I said, man, I, I'm thinking I'm going to have to pay hundreds of dollars. She sent me to the service desk and said, yeah, we'll, we'll charge you $10. From, to an international flight, we'll charge you $10. If that's not God, how'd that happen? Honey, can you pray? Lord, Lord, I need to get to this revival. Pastor Fury's invited us. God, he wants us to sing. God, I believe you want me to go there. I believe it's your will. You wouldn't have put this together. We've never met each other before this, but I believe we got the same God. And I believe we pray to him. We want to see him do a work in us, but we've got to. Oh, God's people, we have got to. We have got to get back on our knees again. We have folks in church who will, they will never bow that knee. And we wonder why our nation and our homes aren't seeing revival. Maybe it's because you and I aren't willing to, to suffer our pride a little bit and say, oh God, we need you. Oh God, could you help my wife? Oh God, could you help my kids? Could you help those kids we pick up on the bus? Oh God, could you help my Sunday school class? Oh, God, could you help my preacher? Could you help my preacher's wife? Could you help his kids? God, put a, put a hedge of protection about them. Oh, God, could you help my grandma? Could you help? We all, my son, if we've ever needed praying grandmothers, I'm t- we need praying. God, could you help my grandkids? Could you help my lost loved ones? I said, teach us to pray. Father, we love you. Father, I thank you so much for the attentiveness of your people here tonight. You've been so gracious to us, and God, they've been so good at listening, and I know the hour's late, but God, I believe you may have sent me here just for this message. We've got, we have got to have your help. We can't educate our way out of this. We can't vote our way out of this. We can't constitution our way out of this. We can't economize our way out of this. God, we need to hear from you. We need a fresh touch and anointing of the Spirit of God on our homes, on our marriages again. God, make us people of prayer by your grace. With our heads bowed and eyes closed here tonight, we spoke first of all about a relationship. And I tell you, if you're not saved, he has no obligation to hear you. He, might, he can choose to hear you. I know one thing that he'll hear you crystal clear on. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God will save you if you just call out to him tonight. Well, I'm so thankful for that day I just called out to him and he actually heard me and he saved me. God will save you tonight so quick. If you're here tonight and you say, Brother Allen, I'm lost and I have no relationship. I know it. I know it as clear as I'm sitting here. I don't have a relationship. I need to be saved. And the Holy Spirit's been touching my heart and convicting me that I'm lost here tonight. Here's my hand right now. Lift that hand up so I can see it and pray for you. Brother Allen, that's me. I need to be saved by the grace of God. Here's my hand. Raise it up nice and high. We'd love to pray for you that God will save you tonight. Anybody like that tonight? We said if you cannot be honest, you cannot get help. Brother Allen, that's me tonight. Here's my raised hand. I need to be saved by the grace of God. 
You say, we got another day. Oh, no, you don't, because you, you have no promise that tomorrow will ever come. But oh, that's me. I need to be saved. Okay, by your own admission, you're saved in this room here tonight. If you're not, please get a hold of one of us. But what's your prayer life been like, child of God? Where's your prayer time? Where's the time you set aside to talk to God each day? You say, I don't think we ought to set a time. You know, when I set a time for lunch, I usually go. It gets done. You set a time to pray with God? You praying as you're on the job? You say, pray without ceasing? You praying for your husband, your children, your wife? May we do business tonight with an almighty God in this matter of prayer. As we stand together, would you please stand as the instruments play? I won't ask for that raise of hands, but I'm going to ask you to respond to what the Holy Spirit has been done in your heart. Maybe it's the fact that you just need to come down and say, God, I'm sorry I haven't been praying. God, help me to become a prayer warrior. Oh, God, help me to pray more. Help me to pray for, maybe some of you ought to come down instead of criticizing your nation, start praying for your nation that God will bring it to revival. Maybe some of you need to dedicate yourself and say, listen, I've not been praying for my pastor and his wife and his family like I ought to. I'm gonna make it a, I'm gonna make it a weekly or a daily thing that I pray for my pastor. Some of you need to come down and promise the Lord when there's a prayer meeting here, I'm showing up. I may not be able to do it. The, the verse says this, of little as much when God is in it, are you laid aside from service, body worn from toil and care? You can still be in the battle in the sacred place of prayer. There's some people in this room, you can barely walk because of your health, you can't get out. You may not be able to go soul winning. You may not be able to run a bus route or help in the children's ministry or sing in the choir. But I'm gonna tell you, there is one thing you can do and that is pray. Oh, some of the sweetest people I have praying for me right now are people that can't even walk but they can pray. Say, man, I could never witness. I could never do that. Can you pray for those that do? Can you pray that God will send more soul winners here? I, I honestly believe this about churches. I believe if 20 people will seriously, I believe 10, really, if 10 people will seriously pray for their pastor, I think most of these preachers that get out of the ministry and wash out, I think they'd be okay if they just had five or 10 people that would say, I'm taking my pastor before the throne of God every single day. And some of you that are retired, man, you can pray. And I'm gonna tell you, there's, there's some women that are retired in our church that, man, when I got a need, I say, man, get, get, call sister such and such. Call brother such and such because they can get a hold of the throne. Could you be one of those people? You say, I'm just a teenager. I learned how to pray when I was a teenager. I had some good men that took me out to parks and took me to the church and said, man, we got to learn to get a hold of God. We got to learn what it is to agonize. They used to call it soul travail. The old revivalists back in the day, they would call it soul travail. They would call it getting under a burden where you have, some of us, some of, some of us, the sad thing is we can't think of one thing right now that we need God for enough to drive us to our knees. And let me tell you, if you don't, that's sad because you're not looking around you. There are things all around us that we need. Listen, I got kids, and my kids are being raised in this world. You don't think I need prayer? I've got a wife. I'm, a, I'm home. I'm away from my wife. I've been for several days for almost a week here. You don't think my marriage needs prayer? We're facing, we're facing the attacks of the devil more than we ever have. 
God, teach us to pray. Oh, would you teach us what it is to fall on our face again? Well, I, I, I don't think he wants to hear from me. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding? Here's what he says. Come reason with me, saith the Lord. Come let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they can be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as well. God, that verse right there told you that he wants to hear from you. Jesus said this. He said, all that come unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Well, I don't think he wants to hear from me. That's your flesh talking. That's the devil talking. That's not God talking. God says, come unto me, all ye that are weary. You're tired? He says, come unto me, all ye that are weary and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He said, you're going to find rest for your souls if you'll just simply teach us, Lord. Teach us to pray, Pastor. Pastor.